Welcome to the Presentation Boss Podcast. I'm Kate Norris. I'm Thomas Craft. And we're here to help you plan, design, and deliver your best presentation. G'day and welcome, bosses, to episode 62 of the Presentation Boss Podcast. And we are, for the first time in a few months, recording sitting in the same room. We are. It's, it's really quite nice. I um, haven't seen your face other than on a screen for a long time, so it's really nice to be in the same room and, and getting this done. Yeah, at the end of the recording, we can do like our standard high five rather than attempting it through Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, it gets edited out because it's just a click. Yeah. <laughs> when we come up with our topics for our discussion episodes, generally the way that we decide on them is what have we kind of been asked about or themes that we've noticed over the last couple of months. That's generally where those ideas come from. Yeah. And so reflecting over the last couple of months, there's a couple of words that keep coming back over and over one that's been a common theme and is a common theme throughout speaking in general which is confidence and one that's come up a lot in the last couple of months and is a somewhat recent term I think and that is authenticity so today we're going to dive into what is confidence what is authenticity and how can we get them both because they are quite intrinsically linked so then how do we reverse engineer them and be able to emulate them ourselves. Because they're both quite desirable. People always ask us, how do we become confident? How do I look authentic when presenting? So Mm. let's talk about that. All right. So why don't we start, Kate, with confidence and what exactly it means. So if we look at the definition of confidence, it basically says a feeling of self-assurance arising from an appreciation of one's own abilities or qualities. But really, I think it's a feeling that everybody is familiar with. It's a bit difficult to explain, but... We, we know that we're looking for it. We know that it feels good when you are confident mm. and, and we want to feel confident in all of the things that we do. Yeah. So if I look at confidence, to me, it is a combination of two things. It is a combination of competence and consistency. And the reason it's a combination of these two is because it becomes a bit of a feedback loop. So the more competent that you get at a task the more confident you're going to become in trying it, which means then the more that you'll stretch yourself. And because you're doing it over and over and stretching yourself more and more, that leads to more learning, which gives you more confidence, which then gives you more confidence, which then means you're going to try it more often (laughs) and going to stretch yourself. And it becomes this constant loop over and over and over. And I have a belief, and I've said this many times, I think I actually heard it first from Mindy Kaling. She was a writer on The Office and she's now got her own production company and everything. She um, <laughs> Trust Kate to bring The Office into something. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> she's got a phrase in her book that I absolutely loved and it is, confidence is earned, not learned. Hmm. Yeah. And people do often ask us because we are perceived to be quite confident people. We are constantly asked, how do I become more confident? Yeah, yeah. you can't teach confidence. Yeah, and I don't think it's a trait. You're not born with confidence. It's something that you work on. And if you ask high performers, if you look at, you know, elite athletes or top CEOs of companies about how they become confident, they all attribute their confidence to the years of learning, the focus, the practice and the skill development. They don't talk about self-esteem, which is, you know, I like myself or I feel good about me. They talk about how they've done the miles and they've earned that confidence. And that's why I really believe in this competence 
confidence loop. So you need to be consistent with doing something which gives you more competence, which gives you more confidence. You're consistent, you're competent, you're confident. It goes just (laughs) consistently. I need a better word there. (laughs) But confidence also comes not necessarily your competence about one particular skill. It also comes from a trust in your ability to learn new skills. So not necessarily how good you are at something now, but your belief in your ability to learn and to upskill. And I think in in the context of speaking or presenting, it really comes back to how do you become a good speaker? Well, you need to speak, Mm. right? So you need to get out there and find those opportunities or create those opportunities to speak within within your life, within your career or your workspace, whatever it might be, and just get going, like give it a start, right? And be confident that you may not be amazing today, but mm. be confident that if this is important to you, and I, I stand by that being able to communicate well should be important, and I assume if you're listening to this podcast, it probably, probably is, is. <laughs> yeah. Being confident that you'll get better over time. You know, you may Mm. be an okay speaker today, but, you know, you're 1% better after giving the next presentation, 1% after that, and 1%. But confident that you will get better because that's how we both got there. By doing it over and over and over and failing and doing it again. Yeah, and it's the same with literally every skill. Yeah. You've got to get started and and suck a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So I really don't believe in the notion of... I will speak when I become confident because if you sit there and you read all the books on it and you wait to become confident, it will never happen. Yeah. Confidence doesn't just happen. Yeah. You don't wake up one day with the skills and the competence and the confidence to do anything really. Mm. So how do you actually gain confidence then? How do you start? Where do you actually start? Because it's all very well saying to people, just start, just get going. But where do you actually start? from a practical sense. I actually think that people aren't necessarily afraid of starting small, but they are afraid of being seen to start small. Mm. So it's okay for you to know that you're going to suck, but you don't want other people to see that you suck. (laughs) Mm. It can be hard to be seen as a beginner if you perceive the people around you to be good at that skill. And it can be really terrifying to just try something because you feel like people are watching you. You feel like they're really going to judge you and be thinking things about you. But there comes a real free moment, certainly in my life, this free moment came when I realized how much people are not actually watching you. People are way too wrapped up in their own lives, in their own heads, thinking about how much everyone else is watching them to be worried about you and watching you and judging you. And those people who are judging, that's a reflection on them. That is not a reflection on you. So I think an acknowledgement to yourself that everybody is afraid to be seen to be starting small because no one else sees anyone else starting small because no one wants to be seen to be starting small. So when you get out there and you try something, you never know how many people you are actually going to help because then they will see you trying something new. They will see you at level one and think, wow, okay, you suck at that. So maybe I can try something that I suck at. I guarantee that is going to help people. Yeah. The other thing that people are worried about is their reputation, not necessarily within their current circle, 
but within their wider circle and, you know, what are people who I don't know really well going to think of me? What are they going to be saying about me? But again, another freeing moment comes in your life when you realize no one knows you. And I think that does sound really harsh on the surface. (laughs) I think for me, I think for me, you realize that people get caught up in their own little bubble a bit and and you forget that not everybody knows all of the same things and all of the same people that you do. I mean, this mm. is probably going back the episode we talked about curse of knowledge, right? Because I remember we had that time, Kate. We were in a um, there was a group of friends. We were this is a while back. We were we were gathered for something. Or was it online? Yeah, it was online. Yeah, so we were gathered, and this was a group of people who are interested in speaking and presenting. Yeah. And Kate had messaged, that's right, you messaged me and you said, hey, can I tell them about our next podcast episode? And I was like, all right, go on, have a little like brag moment, right? Because you like to keep our guests a little bit secret and I just yeah. like want to tell everybody. <laughs> yeah. But in your defense, it was your number one guest ever, right? Oh, so, yeah, totally. So Kate comes off mute and she goes, hey, guys, everybody listen. I was so excited. <laughs> our, our next podcast episode, we got on Michael Port. And there was just silence. People were just staring dead into their webcams. And you were like, does everyone know who Michael Port is? Like, he's the number one presentation performance coach in the world. And I remember those people who we expected would know him because they were also interested in speaking were just like, sorry, Michael who? And I just, I remember looking at, <laughs> I remember looking into Zoom and just seeing Kate's face just die a little bit. Just like, Because that's it. Like, he's my number one. Yeah, like, how could you not know Michael Port? And obviously, like, like I know who he is and really was excited to have him on as well. But I think I just realised in that moment that, oh, we think we're being compared to these huge people like Michael Port, but really we're not. We're just being compared against us. Yeah, that's it. Because when I, when I put myself out there as a speaking coach, I think, who am I being compared to? Is there someone better than me? Yeah, Michael Port. <laughs> Michael who, sorry? But no one knows him. <laughs> because if I turn around and look at my bookshelf here, I've got a Michael Port book. He wrote Because the book. it's my favourite speaking book. But as it turns out, you're not being compared to him. You're literally being compared to yourself. I don't even know who people know. That's the thing. Mm. So the people that I think that I'm competing with, I'm really not. And I'm probably, you know, in someone else's head, being compared to someone that I have no idea who they are. Yeah. Is probably realistically the case. Yeah. So I think two lessons there. People are not watching you and you are not being compared like you think you are being compared. As we said, confidence is a feeling. It's a desirable skill we want when we're presenting or any sort of skill. And if you're a long-time listener of the podcast, you'll know that our motto is get going, then get good. It just means you have to start. You've got to dive in and find your way and build this competence so you can feel confident about yourself presenting or, you know, insert skill here. So... Stop planning and thinking that one day confidence and the motivation will just strike you. You have to go out there, start and create it. Or otherwise you're just going to be an expert at getting ready. Yeah, and feel really confident about getting ready and never actually (laughs) confident about the skill. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Let's talk about authenticity, Kate, and start again with what does it actually mean? Again, the dictionary definition of authenticity is a faithful representation of yourself, which, yep, fine, the definition is there, but what does it actually mean to be authentic? To me, authenticity while speaking is the idea of giving the best representation of yourself when you present. But what this sometimes gets 
interpreted as or translated to is I'm better at just winging it. Otherwise, I'm not real. This idea that somehow preparation and rehearsal kills authenticity. Mm. But invariably, when this happens, when you just wing it, it's never the best representation of yourself. But we know even for the best speakers, the most quick-witted and smartest people on the planet, the worst time to think about what it is that you're going to say is the moment in which you're saying it. That's it. And this is the same for, like, the greatest speakers in the world, the most quick-witted people, the most intelligent people, trying to think about what it is that you're going to say while you're saying it just doesn't work. And if you are an intelligent person who are talking about things that you, you know and that you believe in, well, then it doesn't look authentic if you're sort of fumbling your way through your content. So people don't want to prepare because they believe it will kill authenticity. And I believe this, this fear or this not wanting to prepare often comes from a prior experience of practicing where the presenter gave it a go. You know, I thought, I'll, I'll give this a shot, maybe looked up some techniques and it didn't work. And so they've made this decision. Preparation doesn't work for me. Mm. And that's fine. That's fine. Like that is a completely reasonable conclusion to come to until you know the right way to prepare, to practice and to feel like you've got that presentation internalized enough that it takes up less bandwidth to think about what it is that you're going to say and how you're going to say it that allows you when presenting to be authentic, to be in the moment and to just be present when presenting. And that's where the authenticity comes from. Mm. And I really do think that this is important. I understand that people don't always necessarily believe in preparation, but it then means that you're making the decision that every time you present, it is going to be a first draft. If we apply the same logic to maybe writing a document and you put a lot of time in and you get it written, now let's say it's an important document, an important report, say, there's no way that that's going to be submitted to board level, management, clients, without being checked, without being proofread. You're going to go through and make sure that there's no typos, that your sentences make sense, that it's nicely spaced, that it looks neat and tidy. And we work on it until we believe it is a good representation of our work, of our skills, and how we want other people to see us. All right, cool. We've talked about sort of what it is a fair bit. How do we be authentic? Mm. Really, I think it's a case of please don't just rely on your knowledge, your experience that um, you have in your brain to sort of just happen upon you at the right moment in the right order and sound like an accurate representation of that knowledge for you. Because when you're speaking, your brain gets super preoccupied with just the act of speaking. And we talked about that uh, illusion of transparency feedback loop in that last episode, how you realize that you, you think you sound a bit like an idiot. And so you start getting more and more preoccupied with that and you go around in the loop. And we know that when you get more and more preoccupied and you get more and more nervous, you just cannot find the right words to say. And so we default to something that's a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more easy, which is nearly always all of that experience, knowledge and detail that can just come flooding out and is nearly always away from the message that you wanted to talk about. Mm, I think you're absolutely right there. And what I see happen sometimes is we latch onto authenticity and this idea of authenticity as an excuse for sticking with what's comfortable. Mm. And people feel like if they change, then they're not true to themselves. But ourselves, our true selves, are always evolving. When we learn new skills, when we get more knowledge. We get better. We evolve. 
and we discover facets of ourselves and things about ourselves that we would never have discovered just by sitting and thinking about it. Sometimes we have to do things that are uncomfortable to learn things about ourselves. And really, this takes courage and it takes humility because learning, by definition, starts with something that's unnatural and uh, almost superficial behaviors, like you're doing something that is unnatural to you. I understand how people can feel like this is artificial or calculating Mm. instead of that genuine, spontaneous, authentic sort of feeling, right? Having said that, being utterly transparent, that is, you know, communicating every single thought that goes through your mind uh, and every single feeling that you have is probably not socially helpful and quite risky. (laughs) That's it. If you got up to speak in front of people and the first thing you said is, oh my gosh, I feel awful. I do not want to be here today. I hate my job. Being up here speaking makes me want to throw up and I just don't want to be here. It doesn't inspire a lot of confidence. It doesn't. It might be what you're feeling. And honestly, everyone has those days and we all have felt like that sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. But it's not something that you broadcast. I know that if I'm having a really crappy day, if I'm not feeling good, but I need to do something, the question that I ask myself is, Who needs my A-game today? And is that completely authentic to me necessarily? It doesn't always feel like it. I don't want to be a parent sometimes, but who needs my A-game? My kids today. I don't want to be a business owner sometimes, but who needs my A-game today? My business. I think it's almost, you you have up days, you have down days, you have days that you want to present, you have days that you don't. But really you need to be authentic to your overall self. Yeah, there's days we don't want to do some things, but... Overall, what's authentic to you? That's it. And it can be really detrimental if you insist on expressing what you really think or feel. And we know that people who always express exactly what they really think and feel, it can be really detrimental. Yeah, it's not exactly a tactical authenticity, is it? That's it. And you end up sticking with this comfortable behavior really long term and it prevents you from learning new skills, gaining new perspectives and meeting new challenges if you just insist on being unwilling to evolve. And who you've always been. That's it. That's it. Hmm. So to me, authenticity is not about just speaking in the moment and seeing what happens. It genuinely needs to come from a place of being ready and prepared to make a good representation of your best self. That's it. It doesn't mean your fake self. It means your best self. Mm. So we find ourselves having these conversations with people we work with quite a bit. They're looking for confidence. They're looking for authenticity. And like we talked about, they're not a skill necessarily that you can just teach and give somebody. These Mm. are both things that need to be worked at and have a system around them for achieving them. They're developed over time. Yeah. Absolutely. So there's uh, there's some of our thoughts on what authenticity and confidence is, how you go about finding them, and the effect it has on your skill development as a speaker. Hmm. I feel like I got a little bit ranty there at the end, but it's like <laughs> a subject that I'm really passionate about. Because people do say to me, how are you so confident? I want to be more confident like you. Because I've worked at it. Yeah, and I think I think speaking is particularly cruel in that instance where we can look at somebody who is a good speaker and they are confident. You look at them and you go, I want to be like that. I want to speak like that person. I want to feel as confident as they clearly feel. What you don't see, though, 
is all of the preparation and potentially mm. years and years of hard work and of them being um, really authentic and self-reflective of themselves of struggling and building the skills. And so I can totally understand why people come to us and say, I want to be a confident speaker. I want mm. to be able to make my best representation of myself when I speak to clients, colleagues, stakeholders, whatever it is. That's it. And actually, I think speaking in itself is particularly cruel because like, if you want to learn the piano, you can sit in a dark room by yourself and no one has to hear you hitting wrong keys and making a mess. Like no one has to see you until you've perfected that skill. Whereas speaking, unfortunately, you kind of you've got to suck in front of people. Yeah, you can only present against a wall in an empty room for so long. But public speaking requires public. And yeah, yeah. Any more thoughts on confidence and authenticity, Kate? No, I think I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Hope you enjoyed this episode and have also had a little bit of a think about what confidence and authenticity means for you. And of course, if you'd like to know a little bit more about how we achieve confidence and authenticity for uh, people just like you, do feel free to reach out. Or make sure that you subscribe to our podcast and we'll be back in your ears next week with a speech breakdown. Thanks for listening to today's show. Head to presentationboss.com.au slash podcast where you'll find the show notes for this episode, all other episodes and other free resources. If you have any other topics you'd like us to discuss, email us at podcast at presentationboss.com.au. We're always happy to hear your suggestions for future episodes. Most importantly, we rely on you to share the information in this podcast. If you found value in today's episode, please recommend us to a friend. Or we'd love for you to give us a review on iTunes. It helps more people find us. Have a great week. That construction is driving me nuts. Oh my gosh. Why couldn't your neighbours have done the renovations when we were recording like online or not here? (laughs) Timing is everything.